Jump, jump right in. Hey, I'm Nicholas Ridiculous, and this is The Hurt Circus. This is episode one, season one. Basically, I've been kicking around the idea of this podcast for a couple years now, just kind of fleshing it out and developing it in my mind and just taking notes and ideas and where I'd like it to go and things of that nature. But I guess to really get it started initially, I got to just start with my own experiences and what I know and where I'm coming from because I don't really know how I can expect people to come in, sit down with me and open up and just tell me all about their experiences and how that has affected them and how they feel about it. So I guess I'm just going to start with my own story and what I know and my own opinions and experiences on what it's like to be in the child welfare system, 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 system. cliche to say but it's, it's difficult to know where to start just because it's all so fragmented and there's so many topics and subjects and different things like you always think about leading up to recording something all the things you'd say and probably write them down to a script would be a good idea but I find that a little too limiting I guess just feel too walled in if I gotta stick to a piece of paper I guess for me really though it started with my own mother who Herself, she had experiences with social services, child welfare, whatever you want to call it. Where we were living, it was called the Children's Aid Society. And my mother, she, when she was younger, she had been put into foster care and kind of... I feel like it all, it all depends on what you witness when you're growing up. And for my mother, she didn't witness the quote-unquote normal, happy, healthy family that these agencies deem deem worthy or um, tolerable to their standards of living but it is almost it almost comes down to a generational a generational oppression almost where they almost create foster kids who then create foster kids so it's almost it becomes cyclical almost like um, like a family tradition in some twisted dark way that does no good for the family really at all when I think about my childhood, it's weird because it's just, it's so fragmented and broken up into pieces that I don't really know where it starts and like where it all began and took place. Like It's all chronologically just broken up. Like, I remember being being young with my mother when we moved to Hamilton when she was 
still in, in her early 20s and we just I was just there kind of it made me very independent as a kid very contemplative and a deep thinker and my mother she was just trying to find her own way because that's that's kind of what it does you you find yourself in this world where you don't really you don't have any control over anything that's happening around you and no real say and everything you want is nothing that'll ever happen and so you almost have to withdraw within yourself and kind of you begin to kind of build your own world to cope with the undoing of the world that you always knew it's kind of it's strange so you end up just building your own kind of way of thinking about the world and viewing it and that can make it hard to kind of take any any other anyone else's opinions or thoughts or demands of how you should be living your life maybe especially when you've spent so much time not really living your life but being just like instructed on how to be living it and no real control or say to say no or to disagree it's kind of just follow suit maybe that's all children maybe that's all walks of life growing up maybe that's just what growing up is I don't know that's just what I what I can speak from and what I imagine my mother could speak from just in the way I saw her living as we grew up and just trying to find someone to rescue her basically and it just never really working out there was the time she was she was uh she was a guma she was a old italian man's mistress and it was a trip because i was there for the whole thing basically i was always down in his basement where they didn't have all the nice glass and marble gold furniture they just had a nice big screen tv for me to watch which was i'll say the one thing that's always been constant throughout my entire life a lot of people might have a certain person or family member a certain thing in their home or something like that that's kind of never changed and for me it was always just a television screen it was the one wherever i went there was kind of usually and if there wasn't it always felt odd because then i always meant the toys that were there were probably super old too and it was like what the hell it's like when you'd walk through thrift stores back in the 90s some of the stuff in there my god like what decade is this from you know i may go off the rails i may go off track sometimes but just stick with it and we'll we'll get through this you know what i'm saying so basically it all started with with my mother and her time and her having to kind of construct her own mental understanding and system of morality in her head to make it through her own experiences and what all that did to her. So as I, when I was younger and we had ventured out into Hamilton and I was living with a mother who was younger than the age that I am now, then it was a, it was a good time. It was interesting. It was a lot of highs and lows, but I did, I could, for me, it was all highs because I didn't really, it was just life. Go to school most of the time living in odd neighborhoods lined by factories and industrial stuff playing sailor moon in kindergarten class being so independent and kindergarten teachers thought i was some kind of genius and put me in french immersion for the rest of the year that made things quite confusing it's it's uh it's odd trying to teach a kid french when he barely had a grip on english i guess that's when i first started to realize i could just fake it a lot could really fake it to make it or fake it till you made it I was always the late bloomer, though, with everything. I guess it was because no one really was there to teach me all the time. So it was a lot of wondering. There's a lot of sitting around wondering and a lot of time spent in a room watching TV and just kind of staying out of the way. All the times mom would be going out on a night on the town and she'd stain my cheek with uh, the old lipstick mark and say she'd bring me a treat later and she always would. 
then it built weird. Built a weird moral compass inside you. Cause even as a kid, I didn't really. I always wanted stuff, but I didn't know what that meant. Like one time, we were going through a convenience store, and I decided to just, at the age of four or five maybe, I decided to grab an entire display box. Like the not a pack of gum, but the box the packs of gum were inside, and I kind of just slipped it into the bottom of my mom's stroller as she was cashing out and whatnot. And uh, she didn't realize till we got home, and I kind of just told her. And she was pretty mad and scolded me pretty hard and and then she left the room and I turned around and there was the box of packs of gum and it made me quite happy (laughs) it made the scolding worth it so I guess all this leading up to say I can kind of understand what happened and why it happened to our family I don't condone it I don't condemn it it's shitty and not good to have your family repeatedly just torn apart to the point where now we don't really we don't really know how to be a family to the best that we can. We don't know how to we don't know how to be there for each other anymore. It's an odd thing to say, but repeatedly going through the foster care system and being bounced around and never really feeling like a part of anything that you were forced into and things like that it um it makes it hard to maintain relationships and to just be one of those people who is just there all the time or just reaches out all the time because just spent so many so many times coming and going and just stopping there for a moment and making these friendships and all these things that they've just all come and gone too much you've burned too many bridges to look back and be nostalgic because when you look back it's just black smoke from all the burned bridges it's just so over time you just stop i mean that might be just me i'm only speaking from my experiences so it's no generalization but i feel like it's it's hard it's taxing it's 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 exhausting to to maintain especially when you moved around so much that you just have this wake of people and relationships that you've met through these different places that you've been placed in or moved to or worked in or studied at or you know it's it's tough and then you have the internet and stuff and it's makes it even easier which makes it even more of an excuse because it's, it's what do you talk about you s- we're all voyeurs now like back in the foster homes i was always the voyeur to the families the odd the outside one the odd man out and now with social media and everything it's like everyone is now on that level we're all just voyeuring it doesn't make it easier it uh, almost enables not not holding contact with relationships and people you care about because it's like after being torn away from the people you care about the most it's difficult to um it's difficult to care about people who don't matter that much or as much i guess i should say so i guess it's all just it's hard it's hard to maintain relationships that's because relationships were never the forefront they're never what's important it was all about almost being like a product or a piece of property just being chattel cattled around just numbers and statistics and brief moments of feeling like a kid that were always abruptly and swiftly just taken away and it was it was strange because it was just something you got used to then got to a point where you kind of just started hiding it more and more it as in yourself 
you don't know what times are appropriate to kind of just allow yourself to be. And I imagine my mom felt a lot of that at the time, especially a lot worse. I'm sure she got went through things that were a lot worse. So I have an understanding when I think about why our lives may have went the way they may have. But the understanding starts to waver when it comes to thoughts of these these agencies and people within them who seem to think that they can create a product that will then create their future livestock in a weird way. And oddly, what's it good? I'm going to say this. It's like, it's like training someone to be a clown their whole life and then mocking them and torturing them by taking away their family when they grow up and become a clown. The I know that's not their intention, but their intentions don't always add up to the reality. And that's where my my problem lies. Because it's, it's not easy to... You know, it's almost a subconscious rebellion goes on within yourself with these people. Like, you're supposed to have some kind of Stockholm paradox where you just forget that these people just destroyed your family and any chance of... Any chance of hope of having that life or what that life may have been or who those people from that life may have been. I, 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 I can't grasp it. I can't understand it. I can't wrap my head around it because it's just how much supposed to trust people like that. So you almost, without even realizing it, just defy everything they say. And you want to almost prove them wrong as to what you are, who you are, who they think you are, where you may have come from, the stock you may have come from, or the breed you are. It's, even now, it's, it's a... <laughs> to think about it now it's it's so strange because i just don't i don't understand because they probably see it completely differently but from where i'm sitting where i'm standing and where i've walked it's it's just like that you're gonna feed me shit when i'm hungry and then expect me to say thank you to me that's insane and that will make people insane and so you grow up bloody fucking die and you just have this distrust or disdain for anyone who seems to think that they know how you should be living. Because for too long, too goddamn long, you were told how you should be living. And it's really maddening. And how do you change that, you know? It's, maybe that's just how the numbers add up. Half follow suit, half subconsciously rebel. Maybe the ones who follow suit are the smarter ones, who knows? Maybe the lives that they're coming from they weren't well adapted or built for maybe they're just too much trauma to go back to and sometimes the trauma is enough to just bury any family out of existence but sometimes it's more just dysfunction and maybe it's more someone who has experienced the child welfare system having to find their own way of somehow building a family from scraps and basically nothingness because they themselves are coming from the exact thing they're fearing will come for them and their family now again. It's scary. I think about it sometimes. What if I have a kid and it's not? I'm not. You know, it's... How do I know I'm not going to be plagued with the same curse and continue the cycle? How do I know I'm the one to break it? And the fallibilism just becomes so real. Because it's so much easier to just be what they've been telling you you are your whole life. You're a statistic for failure. You're the poor, the unworthy, the the breed of the ones who will work 
so hard their whole life for not much at all. And I don't know how to break that conditioning. I don't know how to not be, not become, not do what they say, because that was all I ever did. But I've been spending a lot of time on it. It's what a lot of my 20s have been is just trying to change what that voice inside my head says. That voice that was my parent and best friend when I was young and alone in these foster homes, when I was locked in my room past a certain time, or feeling hungry or feeling unincluded on a Christmas, watching the real children open their gifts while I sat aside and opened a fucking 3D puzzle of the Titanic. <laughs> it was felt like a prank. Who gives a six or seven year old a 3D puzzle of the Titanic? <laughs> but that was there was a very dark period where it was almost almost felt like a hero's journey where it was a lot of time spent out on my own alone out in the wilderness of these foster homes and kind of just becoming my own person and being my own person just uh, I don't know it was it was almost like it was like every Disney movie you saw in the 90s you know it was the orphaned kid who was in an environment that wasn't his own, and being scolded and treated less, like a Harry Potter and things of that nature. But it made it made the the little good moments really good. Like the times when I'd get to see my mom, and she would show up, and she would give us stuffed animals with her perfume sprayed on it, and that would linger for a long time. So every time I bed, it would be she'd be the last person you think of, you know. Or the times when, whew, probably three or four, when I first got to watch Star Wars in some strange old home where they had a daycare during the day and I would spend a lot of my time at night up in this one room with a large normal-sized person bed and I'd sit in the middle of it and I would watch, just go through the VHSs, not even sure what they were, and just pop them in. And I remember, I remember seeing the Star Wars trilogy box and I remember watching, I remember watching all of them. Because I remember at the end, I remember Luke finding his father. Because as a young boy who didn't have that, who didn't have a father ever, it's not something I ever, I don't even know if I ever thought about it, to be honest. It was, it was a gratifying feeling. Seeing this character, Luke, who I just instantly found a kinship with, finds his father. And I remember even at the end of the third, the sixth one, I guess, technically. But at the end of it, when... Vader takes his helmet off and uh, he reveals he's just a normal man who's just maybe a bit scarred up. I remember thinking to myself, take him with you. Take him with you. Luke, he's your dad. Take him with you now. You guys can be pals or whatever father and sons are to each other because I don't really have a gauge of reference for that. But he didn't, you know. But then strangely enough, years later when I was in this other foster home, it was later in the 90s, and um, they had just started talking about episode one, The Phantom Menace, and all of that stuff, and that whole new trilogy, and it was just strange, because when you're just bouncing around from place to place with no real gauge or reference of reality or growth or consistency or anything like that, these myths and tales of fiction become, they become your gauge and your your kind of touchstone to reality, I guess. And just morality and um, learning lessons and having mentors and influence and things like that. 
Like, I was raised by fiction. That was what it was. So when I saw the estranged father and son meet up, I didn't really know later on in my life I would be growing up with that father through the later stages of my life, which was a kind of strange, just strange irony almost, or, yeah, coincidence, I don't know. <laughs> I'm a person and my name is Anakin. I love you. Liar! You were my brother, Anakin. I loved you. No, I am your father. I've accepted the truth that you were once Anakin Skywalker, my father. That name no longer has any meaning for me. Luke, help me take this mask off. But one of the good times in this one foster home that also revolved around Star Wars was, I remember I was in this school and they had this silent auction and it was for things all, all over the school. You went in after school hours. People would bring their families and stuff and you would, everyone would just go around and there would be stuff in all the classes and you would bid on anything you wanted and whatnot. And I remember I went by myself because the foster family I was with didn't, they had their kids to take care of or whatever. So I went by myself, I just walked back to school after eating something or whatever. And I remember walking through and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if I had any money, maybe I had like $5. They may have given me a $5 bill or something, maybe some change just to throw around. And it was not something I was used to at all. And so I went back to the school and I was walking around and I remember I was always a very internal, introverted kid. I was, because that's just how you become. You become your own best friend and your own, your own parent. And you just build all these roles within yourself that you just kind of like a one man circus almost. But I walked around and I tried to find something to bid on and I finally did. And it was this, this backpack, the old style one with the flap that would come down from the top that would go over the hole and you would kind of string the hole closed and it was it was leather or pleather i'm not sure probably pleather though because it on the flap it was black and then on the flap there was some some double stitching seam lines or whatever and it there was a, a square in the middle of the flap and in that square it was just darth vader's head like a box image and it was so freaking cool i just like i fell in love with it because that was like one of my main gauges for references or anything like that was just like oh and star wars yes darth vader no way the dad he never had and the boy you'd one day grow up with so i i bid on it i'm not sure what the bidding was money i don't know it's hard to, th to remember anything like exact like that but it was so cool i remember that i just i i was like there's no way i'll get this and just just because that was just the mentality i had i just didn't didn't think i'd get anything you know Everything I ever wanted or asked for or needed, I felt like I just it was never taken seriously or taken into consideration or anything like that. It was just, it was wanting for nothing in a different way. It was, because that's what it became. You, 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 you would tend to want for nothing just out of the most negative experiences. <laughs> but to my surprise, it was, I did win that backpack. <laughs> And it was, it was one of the happiest moments 
I had had in a long time. Because you almost start to exist in this almost wasteland where you're just kind of by yourself. Everything you knew and everything you loved and had known is just so far away and distant that you just, even now when I think about it, it's just such a barren place to be where I can honestly say I didn't know. It was such a unknowing time. We're just walking around. It was it was almost a strange freedom because it had no ties to anything at all. It's fucked up to say because I was a kid and I like I remember being so alone in everything and all of my happiness and joys and cares and everything. Because when I did win the backpack, I remember I remember feeling so happy, like so unbelievably full of joy and self-content. I just ran. I got the backpack and I ran outside and I just like sat at the bottom of this snowbank because it was the winter time. And I was just looking at it and just touching it and just seeing it and having it and just that was my favorite my favorite bag for my favorite object that I ever had f- for the longest time when I was around that age in the later 90s. It was just it was my jam and it became uh, just a staple in my life to just always have it. It was strange because I remember being filled with all these emotions when I looked at the bag and I was there taking it in that I had gotten it. And I was feeling all these things that I didn't know what to do with. It was all the joy and the happiness and all those emotions I had mentioned, but I didn't know what they were or how to process them. So it was just a strange kind of filling up of my insides where I was just like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with myself. It was a weird... (laughs) <laughs> it's weird to be a kid and not know what to do with joy and happiness. It was strange. Because even when you did feel that, it's, someone would always take it away somehow. Whether they meant to or not. Because in my head, they're all, everyone's a villain. They're all villains. Everyone I think about who is in the position of power in my life. To me, they were all villains. Because that's how it played out in my mind. And just, it never correct. It never got corrected. It never... And my experience has never changed to correct it. So I don't know if their their intentions may have been different, but just because you intend something one way doesn't mean that's how it's received. And especially in the day and age we're living in right now, that's that's like standard now. <laughs> so it makes me wonder why these these agencies still exist, and they don't seem to be changing too much, other than other programs and agencies being created to deal with the aftermath and the overflow of all the issues they're creating in people. Even right now as I sit, just a few weeks ago, the Ontario Child Advocacy Advocacy offices in Toronto got closed and shut down. It's like, how's that progress? How is... So we just keep trying to fix the problems after the fact, I guess, you know? And even when you try and speak out about them, they find a way to just keep shutting it down, which is just, it breaks my heart. It, I don't get it. I don't understand how this is, how we're still living in a band-aid solution kind of mentality when it's, the problems need to be fixed beforehand. Why try and just fix the child? Why not try and better fix the families? Yeah, I understand some families maybe can't be fixed, but I feel like some can and they're just not given the best opportunities. And they're not given understanding, practical human understanding, especially when it's a ripple effect from the exact same situations and scenarios that happened a generation before. How is, how are we all just supposed to know so much? Because you can only blame yourself 
for so much. I've realized and I've learned that you can only blame yourself for so much before you have to start wondering, like, at a certain point, it wasn't all on me because we're all, we were all kids. So at a certain point, it was on someone else. And at a certain point, it was on someone else. So at what point are we allowed to stop taking the blame and stop, start pointing it? At what point does the blame stop mattering, you know? At what point can we just stop and just start fixing? Because it's just a cycle that just doesn't stop and the Band-Aid solutions just only, only do so much. The blame and the Band-Aids and broken promises and fake smiles and people trying to work within systems and get involved in situations that they have no real-world understanding or experience in. It's a lot of people trying to make themselves look and feel good by doing things that make other people not feel good at all. And like I said before, the intentions don't always add up to the realities. Maybe if they would start realizing that, we start moving forward a bit. And that's that's a bit of my story, I guess. It's <laughs> It's been a weird life, say that much for sure. And um, I'm still working on getting over everything I'll never have and still trying to let go and kill those parts of me that that I need to to move forward and just let go because a lot of the baggage is just it's 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 exhausting it's tiring to carry around and that's why I wanted to really start this podcast as another way to process work through and alleviate thoughts and stories and opinions of my own lived experiences with this system that is still so prevalent which is the child welfare system things that operate that operate on that that spectrum where they've just been going and going and going and for a lot of people they're boogeymen they you could you could tell children horror stories and scary stories at night of people who will come and take you away ultimately forever in some cases and it's hard even for me it's hard to sit down and just by myself kind of comb my mind and my brain for stories and having to go through and rehash and relive my experiences and some of it's really hard it gets difficult and a lot of it you don't want to think about again but a lot of it is just it's so it's so obviously there in your in your in your makeup and your how you carry yourself and how you interact with people and how you are with members of your family and things like that still still breaks my heart i'll get flashbacks randomly of just times and moments and just things and it's just like a crack crack in the glass almost just feel it every time like when they told my little brother he wasn't allowed to see my mom anymore when he was six years old because they thought it would be better for him if he just stopped having contact with her altogether or just seeing any of your siblings really go through things that you went through yourself so you know exactly exactly how hard it was and how hard it made you. But then also in the same instant, having no real grasp or understanding of how to bridge that topic or offer any advice to said siblings on those subjects. Because just like you, they've become, they've become, they've become themselves and they've built their own world and their own realities to help get them through and cope with all the bullshit. All the fucking bullshit. And it's all that all that bullshit and all those stories and all those memories. And it's not to forget them, but to just 
just get it out there and tell the story, say the thing, do the what, make the have you, and just put it in a box after that and just kind of tuck it away. And that's what I hope to do with this podcast moving forward once I find people who might be interested in getting involved and sitting down with me and having talks and after I share my own experiences and story to to be an example and set the example for kind of what we'd like to discuss and where we'd like to take this show and kind of make it grow and make the voice louder so then maybe the people who should be listening will start listening because we need some change we really need some change and how many more generations are gonna have to experience these systems and agencies before we see more damaged and disfigured outcomes before they make change you know like how many more because change just takes standing up and walking over and making the change because they got the data oh they got the data they got the numbers so i think it's time we start using them maybe start using them more honestly maybe start taking them more honestly because let's be honest bullshitters don't like to smell their own bullshit so when they get called on their bullshit they don't want to deal with it life ain't all about positivity and all about good times it ain't all about smiles and happiness and joy and everything and that's what they present but that's not what's behind the curtain because we're the ones behind the curtain not them they're the ones standing out on stage smiling getting credit and all all the good stuff that comes with saving the poor kids from the disadvantaged drug-addled families right so if you or anyone you know has lived experiences with the child welfare system, within the child welfare system, if you work in the child welfare system and want to talk, anything like that, any involvement revolving it, please don't hesitate to get in touch. That is at thehurtcircus at gmail.com. And also, you can reach out to me. I'm your host, Nicholas Ridiculous. You can reach me on Instagram at Nicholas Ridiculous or www.nicholasridiculous.ca. Um, and yeah, we're just looking to expand this thing and try and get some more angles on the experience of growing up in foster care and being removed from your family or anything like that. Crown ward status. Um, it's tough. It's difficult. It's not easy. It's shitty. But in the end, it feels good to get the weight off and get it out there and maybe try and help some people who might be experiencing something similar right now you know so yeah i've been your host nicholas ridiculous uh get out there in the world if you're gonna be something be worthwhile peace